The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, uh, Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Simon Coveney, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Now, you are speaking at a, a Finnegal conference tomorrow in Waterford. Um, you are wooing small business. Tell me what's going to happen. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, we've been talking to small businesses around the country for many months now. We've, you know, I've been been, been holding um, uh, conferences in different parts of the country, but we have a much bigger one tomorrow. So in Waterford, we have an annual uh, Fine Gael small business conference. The teacher will be there. Um, Pascal Dunne will be there. Neil Richmond will be there. I'll be there. So really, it's about making sure that we give uh, small to medium sized businesses an opportunity to <clears throat> to speak directly to us in advance of the budget uh, to make sure that um, what we're planning for uh, to support businesses that are under pressure, to make sure that we can keep employment and business growth strong for family-run businesses, small businesses, uh, and that we use both policy and taxation measures uh, and financial supports to do that as best we can. So, you know, Fine Gael has always been a party that's been driven by, by enterprise, hard work, entrepreneurship, uh, we still are, uh, and that's why it's a big priority for us going into the budget. Mm. Um, are you really in listening mode? I would have thought that most of the measures that are going to be in the budget would have been fairly well uh, ironed out and costed at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, we have been listening. You know, uh, like yesterday, I had an enterprise forum with with all of the business representative bodies on it. You know, over the last number of months, we've been right around the country uh, in different towns and cities uh, holding uh, what are sort of the equivalent of sort of town hall type meetings with, with SMEs uh, and business organizations to, to make sure that we are listening. So this is, this is sort of the, the culmination of that, if you like, um, a couple of weeks out from the budget. Uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're doing everything we possibly yeah. can. Now, what do you make of Sinn Féin being the most popular party, according to the Irish Times uh, poll, um, and they would not have the reputation of being particularly pro-business. Um, so you're saying you are pro-business, but it doesn't seem to reward you in the polls. Well, look, you know, we, we're we going to have a whole series of elections next year, you know, and that'll decide that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of polls between now and then, and I suspect, you know, we'll have good and bad days uh, from, you know, on individual polls. Um, and, you know, yesterday is just one of those. So, you know, we know that, that, there, that a lot of businesses and a lot of families and homes are under pressure at the moment. Um, uh, and so it's understandable that that would feed through in the polls. Um, you know, opposition parties have, you know, messages that they're trying to land at the moment uh, on the government on the back of the pressures that people are feeling. Uh, and that's politics. Um, but our job now is to respond in a few weeks' time to those pressures, uh, and we'll see what polls look like after that. But, you know, I don't think we should get carried away by any one individual poll. Um, you know, the, the ones that matter really are, are next year, local elections, European elections, and then the lead-up to a general election. Now, we spoke to Charlie Flanagan during the week. Uh, he is departing the political scene uh, at the time of the next election. He's not going to run. Part of the reason being the abuse that politicians and their families suffer from. Part of the reason being the a redrawing of his constituency, which would make it a, a harder battle. But a number of uh, Fine Gael TDs opting out. I mean, you can characterise it deserting the sinking ship or you can characterise it as, you know, they're older, their time's up, they've served their time, and this is just a, a natural uh, attrition. 
Yeah, look, I mean, I think you have to look at the individual cases of people who've made decisions. You know, some people have made decisions to step back from politics for health reasons. Uh, some people like like Charlie Flanagan and, uh, and Richard Bruton, you know, they've been in politics for well over 30 years, you know, given an entire working life to, to Fine Gael and to public life. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I would characterize it differently. I think this is an opportunity for renewal in Fine Gael, for, for new younger people to come through. Um, I think people like Charlie Flanagan and Richard Bruton have done an incredible service to Fine Gael, but more importantly to their constituents uh, and uh, in both those cases as well to the country because they've been very successful government ministers. Uh, and there are others uh, in that category too who are, who are deciding, you know, that they want to, to do something else with their lives. And I think we should respect that, you know. But, um, it makes it, makes it harder to get, to get the numbers uh, that you've had in this soil, which were down on the numbers you had in the last soil. Uh, not necessarily, because uh, let's wait and see who uh, uh, who's on the ballot paper, because I think you'll see a lot of dynamic new faces and new names who uh, who want to make their mark. I think they'll be hungry. Uh, and, you know, it's always good for a party to have a new generation coming through, pushing more experienced people. Uh, and I can promise you we have lots of those uh, in many of the constituencies where, where we have sitting TDs that have been around for a very long time, who if they were to stay, you know, some of whom would be well into their 70s uh, uh, during the next Doyle term. And, you know, I think, um, I think you shouldn't read too much into that, I have to mm. say. Now, uh, one of your own uh, personal interests, is, is, as well as uh, from time to time in politics, is the Marine. And we saw the operation, the drugs bust off the coast of Cork and Wexford um, during the week. And we see, though, that our Navy is depleted. Uh, you would expect that given the job we're, we're having to do on behalf of Europe in patrolling the seas, that that would have been a priority. Yeah, and it is a priority. You know, I mean, we, we like I've been a, a defence minister for um, for quite a number of, you know, uh, of the recent uh, years. Um, and I live close to the naval base uh, in Cork Harbour. I visit it regularly um, uh, and I speak to, to people who are serving there. Uh, we have a huge challenge to attract young men and women into the naval service uh, to to ensure that we have our full eight ship uh, fleet uh, operating uh, as it should. Uh, and we're a long way from that at the moment. Uh, that's why we that's one of the reasons uh, why we have a, a, a commission report on the future of the defence forces that needs to be implemented in full. That's why we need to see dramatic increases in in the defence budget uh, in the years ahead, which we have committed to, by the way. It's one of the very few areas where we have committed to a multi-annual uh, budget increase uh, through until 2028, which regardless of who's Minister for Defence, I hope, uh, and regardless of who's in government, I hope will be honoured uh, because the Defence Forces deserve that. Uh, they do a fantastic job. And I think this week we've seen just how professional uh, our, our Ranger mm-hmm. Wing is, our Naval Services, the Defence Forces, and of course the partnership with Angarda Siakana, yeah. uh, just okay. how uh, impactful that can be. And, and, you know, liaising as well with the Coast Guard, with the RNLI, uh, with mm-hmm. Revenue, uh, you know, it was, um, um, while we do have a depleted naval service at the moment, that is something that we're set about changing. And another know mm-hmm. is very focused on that now as Minister for Defence, uh, as indeed am I around the Cabinet yeah. table. But uh, do you um, have a reason why people are not attracted to the, the Navy? Is it simply about terms and conditions, about uh, wages and salaries? Uh, is it that perhaps there was a cohort uh, drawn from uh, maybe... 
typically working class uh, populations who had access to the sea and who perhaps don't have any more? Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of work on this just to, to reassure people. I mean, uh, there's no one reason. Um, um, part of the reason is that Ireland is at full employment right now. So a lot of very talented people in the naval service, particularly engineers, have been headhunted by the private sector uh, and have been offered, you know, big pay packets to to leave. Um, uh, and it's, you know, you can understand why some of them have. Um, uh, it's also about the lifestyle, you know, to 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 go to sea for long periods uh, of time uh, is uh, put strain on on family life, particularly when there are a lot of other work opportunities there for people. That's why, by the way, we want to change the way in which the naval service functions uh, to move towards what's what's called double crewing, uh, which which effectively means that um, uh, that crew members wouldn't spend anything like as much time at sea. Uh, or certainly not as long at sea, because you'd have a double crew for each ship. But um, And, of course, then we look at paying conditions. You know, we have been working in government for some time to try and improve paying conditions, but you've got to do that in line with public sector pay deals um, so that you don't trigger demands across multiple other sectors as well. And that's why we need to uh, use what are unique uh, to the military uh, in terms of military allowances and so on to try and do that. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the other thing I think that, that I should say is that um, it, this is not only a problem in Ireland. You know, there are many countries across the developed and democratic world that are finding it difficult to attract people into the military. Um, and, and so we need to respond to that with much more flexible and modern HR management. Yeah. Now, now, the army uh, is in... need to attract many more yeah. women, by the way, into the defence forces. Yeah. I mean, only 7%... Of women in the defence force, uh, uh, there's only seven percent of women in the defence forces, and we've got to change a culture uh, that is too male-dominated, and at times has resulted in um, uh, abuse uh, of uh, of uh, women in particular in the defence forces. Okay, that no. is that is going to end, uh, and I think the future of the defence forces can be very very positive. Okay. But there's a it, it's a big priority for the government, well, and I think the reason why we need a strong and fully recruited defence forces, I think we've seen this week uh, in plain sight. Yeah, exactly, and that's a recruiting uh, sergeant, really, for the Ranger Wing. But the Army being called upon to do all sorts of things, a number of uh, aspects of this. One, uh, called upon to defend politicians. I don't know what you think of Fianna Fáil's uh, uh, comment on that. And then when the Gardaí go on strike with their blue flu, their drew flu, whatever you like to call it, uh, do you think the Army should be brought in? First of all, can I say on the Ranger Wing, the Ranger Wing is a slightly different challenge to... No, I'm not suggesting that we need them to defend you, but, but, you know, rank and file. I made a statement a number of years ago where where I believe the Ranger Wing should be doubled in size. You know, that is in the white paper. In order to do that, though, we don't want to lower standards uh, to actually recruit more people. It's really hard to get into the Ranger Wing. They are an elite squad, uh, and they do... Uh, um, uh, very, very highly demanding training. Um, um, and so part of the challenge here is is actually getting the numbers that we need that can meet that standard. But So that's that, that's a different uh, challenge. Yeah. In okay, but, but, but the use of the to army to defend politicians, number one, to create a safe space for them, and secondly, uh, to use them when the Gardaí are on strike effectively. Well, first of all, I, I hope we can resolve the, the differences in Angarda Shikana that we're seeing uh, expressed very publicly right now. There's clearly a lot of discontent within Angarda Shikana in relation to 
planned rosters. Um, and, you know, I'm someone who um, has under my ministry um, the Workplace Relations Commission uh, and the Labour Court and so on. You know, Ireland has a very good industrial relations machinery that finds a way of solving disputes and finding middle ground. And I, I really would encourage um, all sides uh, in this ongoing uh, dispute within Angarda uh, Siakana to to use that machinery if they want to, or um, or mechanisms within Garda Siakana, because the country needs um, uh, certainty uh, in terms of what Garda Siakana do. They are fantastic people, um, and we need them to um, uh, to be um, uh, delivering what the state needs of them. Uh, and in order to do that, uh, clearly there is a, a dispute that needs to be resolved here between the commissioner and his team uh, and the Garda representative bodies. And, you know, um, Minister McEntee has has encouraged um, uh, intensive talks to resolve outstanding issues. Uh, and I hope that can happen over the coming weeks rather than the alternative, which is, um, you know, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Um, in terms of exclusion zones around the doll and protecting of politicians and so on, look, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated that we're talking an awful lot about a relatively small group of hardliners last week who actually got what they wanted in the end, which was an awful lot of media attention. Um, actually, the guards did a really good job that day. Like, I was in and out of... Um, I. Yeah, I was taking leaders' questions that day because the Taoiseach was away. Um, I was in and out of the doll that day. Uh, the ushers and the guards did a really good job in facilitating TDs by and large coming and going. Uh, there was a really nasty element to that crowd. But I think you should also remember this week, you know, we had a protest outside the doll of, of childcare workers. It was three or four times the size in terms of number of the previous week. And it worked as it should. It allowed TDs to go out and speak to people who were protesting, to talk to them, to understand their concerns. And democracy has to involve interaction between people who are demonstrating or protesting as is part of democracy and the politicians that are, you know, elected to make decisions. Um, so, so for me, I don't like the idea of exclusion zones. Uh, yes, of course, we have to make sure that politicians and, as importantly, the staff that are working in Leinster House uh, in terms of making sure that they can get in and out of work safely. But we've also got to have a vibrant democracy. And one of the things that's great about Ireland is that actually politicians and the people they represent have a very close relationship where we talk to each other face to face on the street, in shops, in pubs. Uh, that's not the way it is in most countries. Um, uh, and uh, and so I'd be very cautious, I think, to move towards a situation where we'd be putting up barriers, keeping protesters a long way away from our parliament. Right. Minister Simon said, Coveney, we have to leave it there. Simon Coveney, Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Uh, thank you very much for... The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.